Good evening. You know, we call it Good Friday, yet as Trav reminded us at the beginning here, you know, this evening we, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We come together to commemorate that, but it was really something awful. It was really something very awful, and it's good for us in that what it accomplished but it was really something awful in terms of seeing what actually was happening that day. Jesus suffered and died with criminals, though he had done nothing wrong. People mocked him for not saving himself, even though he could, and he certainly could have, but, but it wasn't the plan because he loved us so much. He sacrificed himself for us, and our response is faith and for our salvation, faith in Jesus for our salvation because of what he did for us. He provided for us the way to victory. He provided for us the way to victory through something so awful. And Jesus wants to step into our journey. He wants to step into our story as he does so often and, and to give us victory in our story. Though you, you may be thinking about your life, about your life circumstance, about where you are right now, and you may be thinking... Victory just doesn't fit in my vocabulary right now. Victory is not something that even makes sense for me right now. But the victory that Jesus wants to give us is in a way that's so much different than the way that we weigh and measure it. It's, it's, it's in such a better way. It's in an eternal way. And as followers of him, a lot of times our victory can be marked by suffering and marked by loss because of the way that our journey just happens as sinful people. We all here have suffered loss. We all here have, have just suffered in, in some way, shape, or form, no doubt. But to view that with the hope of eternal life, to view that through the hope of Jesus Christ, it puts our suffering in perspective and it gives us, it gives us strength to take up our cross and, and to follow him. And Jesus teaches that there is beauty in the broken. Jesus teaches that there's beauty in the broken and in your life and in mine, I know that he has shown beauty in the brokenness if we would just be willing to see it because only God could take something so awful and bring about something so amazing. See, the way to victory, it's, it's not through people, it's not through possessions, it's not through prosperity, it's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrate this weekend. If you're new with us here, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad to have you here. And as we talk through the crucifixion here for the next few minutes and prepare our hearts for communion, I hope that, <clears throat> I know with this, with this being a Friday and, and it just feeling maybe a little bit different than a Sunday, we come together and, and it's just got a little bit different vibe to it and that's cool. Um, but at the same time, sometimes it's harder to just quiet our minds and our hearts and and, and to really hear what God has to say. So I really appreciate how Trav sort of set the tone and the worship that brought us to this place. And so let me just ask you, if you will, for the next 15 to 20 minutes or so to really just quiet everything else that might be going through your mind and through your heart right now that the enemy loves to pull us away and to really just focus and listen to what Jesus is saying to you right now and saying to us here. As we think about the crucifixion, <clears throat> suffering and death by crucifixion was awful but it was especially intense in hot climates where this went down you had severe inflammation 
you couple that with the significant amount of bleeding that's happening because of the, the, the jagged wounds and all of that stuff, fever then starts to set in on someone who's being crucified. It's then aggravated by the heat of the sun, of course. You've got the insufferable thirst that's happening because of the strained, just the strain that's being put on the body that, that then is not quenched. Because as, as we know, the Romans were professional killers. This is what they did. You got the rough nails and the torn tendons and muscles that are just being ripped, ripped apart, the nerve damage that's there causing agony that you can't imagine. You get a throbbing headache from the blood that's, that's trying to rush to different parts of your body because of just the way that, the, that your body works. I know for, for some people that maybe suffer from migraines and stuff, double that or maybe triple that in that moment, not to mention the physical pain that, that you're feeling. Your mind gets confused because of all the pain and the, and the headache and the anxiety and the stress that you can't imagine. I know we hear many things uh, today about uh, mental health and anxiety and stress. That's nothing compared to somebody who's being uh, crucified in that moment, the confusion and things that happen in somebody's mind during that time. It's something like you've never experienced ever. The victim of crucifixion, they would say, literally dies the death of a thousand deaths. It's really hard to say physically exactly what kills someone during crucifixion. You, you could take your pick. Yet Jesus went through all of that, all of that for you and for me. If you do have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 15. Or if you have the Bible app, you can certainly jump on the Bible app and you can find... Uh, and you can find Mark chapter 15 in there, the, the event for, uh, for what's happening here at Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. Um, and we're going to be reading this entire passage uh, of Mark 15, 22 through 39 um, here. And it's, it's quite long, but I think it just makes sense for us to really look at exactly what happened, all of it together. And then I want to point out a couple of things to you. But let me just, for, for a quick second before, before we read this, I want you to just think about this for a second. You were on his mind while all of this was going on. And I mean, you individually. Yes, you personally. Because God loves you that much. That not, not just the collective you, but yes, you. I want you to think about that as we read this. Mark 15, beginning in verse 22, says this. <clears throat> and they brought him to the place called Golgotha which means place of a skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. It was the third hour and they crucified him. And the inscription on the charge against him read the king of the Jews. And with him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reveled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, 
Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and, and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. And he had the disciples watching the crucifixion as well. His followers who had been with him for three years, seeing all of these things building, all of this time, all of these things that they had learned, all of this stuff. And, and in, in this moment, it all comes to a crashing halt. Jesus' death looks like the ultimate defeat. Everything we've been working for, everything we've been, been going toward, it's all done. It's all toast right then and there. The promised Messiah, all of their hopes, all of their dreams destroyed because he's dead. But his death was the way to victory over sin and death. They just didn't get it yet. They just didn't understand it right then. Because to us as humans, sometimes victory looks like defeat. Think about that in your own life. Think about that in maybe things that, that, that have happened that you've come through where sometimes victory looks like defeat. And, and this is that paradox effect that is so much of the kingdom of God that looks like one thing but is actually another. And only God can take something so awful and make something so incredible from it. And surrender is not defeat in the kingdom of God. When you put that through the right lens in the kingdom of God, surrender is not defeat. There are some things in your life and in mine that need surrendered tonight because they're keeping a barrier up between you and God. I firmly believe that. It might be a habit, might be an addiction, might be a relationship, might be just selfishness or, or greed or self-esteem or self-worth. You fill in the blank. I believe the Holy Spirit's maybe bringing something to mind for you right now. But there's something we all need to surrender. There's something we all need to surrender to the Lord. And you might be thinking that surrendering that thing, that that, that that's just waving the white flag of defeat. Can I ask you to consider the fact that with God from a human perspective, victory might look like defeat. I've got these white flags around the worship center here. And white flags are a symbol of surrender and battle, also of ceasefire. And they're also used in, in death and mourning in certain cultures. Um, there's just the color white is, is used a lot. The white fabric, it's an, it's an obvious contrast to everything else when it's held up and waved, which is why it's used because rarely are battle flags and banners white at all. And so there's this definite big time contrast that you can see. And while it's symbolic of surrender, I want us to look at it as symbolic of surrendering to Jesus and surrendering and dying to ourselves. Because that's really what this night 
is about. And that's really what Jesus is calling us to because sometimes victory looks like defeat. But there's another fabric I want to talk about for a second that was mentioned in this passage that sometimes we just blow right by when we see it, and that's the veil. The veil that's mentioned in here. It's just one verse, but let me just give you a little setup on it. The veil that's talked about, God is holy and his followers are sinful. And God could not look upon sinful people. And sinful people could not be in the presence of a holy God and live. And this was a problem. And so if God's ultimate plan was to, to reconcile us, to make things right, and, and to bridge that gap between humanity and God, something needed to be done. And the idea of the high priest in, in the ancient culture was helpful in this. It was helpful because there was somebody that could break the barrier and go through that veil into the holiest of holies. It was a place in the temple where, where the veil was and they could go into the holiest of holies and to make sacrifices in the tabernacle for the sins of man. And so this veil curtain was this barrier that was between everyone and God, both symbolically and literally. And everyone knew what it represented and what it meant, which is why this short little verse is so huge and so important. Mark 15, 38 says, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now you read that and you might be like, okay, cool. Let me tell you physically, literally, why that's a big deal. It's an amazing thing. Top to bottom, number one, God tore it from heaven instead of man tearing it from earth. Think about it that way. God was the only one who could remove the barrier that was between us. And he did it not only through what Jesus did on the cross, but then he symbolically did this through tearing that veil from top to bottom. Let me tell you something else about that veil that you probably don't know. Humanly speaking, it would have been impossible for a human being to tear that veil. Impossible. This room at the very peak is close to about 30 feet. This veil that's being talked about was 60 feet tall and four inches thick. That's a big piece of cloth to be torn from top to bottom. That's amazing. That's something only God could do. The strongest person you know could not tear a piece of fabric that big. All of us together could not tear a piece of fabric that big if we grabbed on it and pulled. The moment Jesus died and breathed his last breath, the veil that separated people from a holy God, from the holiest of holies, was torn, and the veil represented the separation between God and human beings caused by sin. And because Jesus' sacrificial death, we now have access to God, and we can be confident that we have access to God, that we have a relationship with him. Because not only is the physical veil torn, but even better than that, the, the, the veil that was keeping our sin, that was keeping us away from God, Jesus took care of it. He signed the check in his own blood. And now we can claim the promise of 1 Peter 2.9 that says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look at that. 
God's special possession. That's you. That's me. We are God's special possession. There is no special class of people who intervene in, in knowledge or presence or in the forgiveness of Christ. It's available to all of us. And all believers have the right and the authority to read the word of God, to interpret, and to apply the teachings of scripture. Because Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is the great high priest. God destroyed the barrier between humanity and himself. Only God could do that. And so when I say that sometimes victory looks like defeat, this is such a perfect example and such a great connection point for you to meditate on as we take communion here in just a minute and we enter into this resurrection weekend together. And so my connection point for tonight as we then move into this communion moment is that the death of Jesus on the cross was the ultimate victory. It was the ultimate victory for you and for me. And when we meditate on Jesus' suffering and death on the cross, we remember that he did it because of his love for us. He did all of that because of his love for us and that should motivate us in so many ways. It should motivate us to serve people. It should motivate us to love people. We have access to God because of what he did, not because of anything that we have done or anything that we will do. So as we transition into this time of communion, into the Lord's table, I hope that your heart is prepared. I hope that your mind is quiet and stayed on the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me. And this is why we celebrate. This is why we commemorate. Because it was in our place. And because we don't deserve it. Jesus asked us and commanded us to remember the sacrifice he made. I've said it a couple of times to a few people this week. It's interesting to think about. Nowhere in scripture does it say that we should remember his birth that we should set aside a time to remember his birth, yet we do at Christmas every year. But Jesus did specifically say, set aside a time and remember this. Remember this. So we remember. And one of the ways we do is with communion. The Lord's table. So let me, I want to read from 1 Corinthians 11 here for just a second. As we prepare for this, it says this. So then whoever eats the bread, drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Listen to this. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. I'll say this is simply in kind as I can this is, this is reserved for believers this moment that we're going to enter into it's reserved for believers but hear me and hear the word of God all are invited all are invited to the Lord's table who have put their faith and trust in him so it's exclusively inclusive because if you're not a believer 
listen, if you're not a believer, you don't have anything to celebrate or be grateful for. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, listen, right now you can make that decision. You can make that decision in your heart right now, this minute. God created you, created us to be in a relationship with him. We live in a broken world. As we've talked about, our sin is that barrier. It's that separation. And what Jesus did on the cross paid the price for you and for me so that we can have eternal life because there's nothing we can do to remove our sins. You can't make yourself good enough. You can't wash yourself enough to remove the sins You don't have the strength. You don't have the power any more than you could tear that veil from top to bottom. But because of what Jesus did, anyone and everyone can have eternal life and that can start right now. And we can have this family meal together, which is what we're going to do. So let me just ask everyone, if you would, to bow your heads for just a second. And if you've maybe heard this a thousand times. You've heard the idea, yeah, I know, I gotta, I gotta get saved and I gotta, I gotta do this or do that. To Listen, it's, it's really as simple as this. It's transferring your trust to Jesus. You don't have to understand everything theologically. You don't even probably know what that word means. At the same time, listen, it's really just about putting your trust in Jesus for salvation and not for yourself. So I'm not going to give you any special magic words to say because it doesn't work that way. It's a decision you make in your heart that you then say in whatever words you need to to the Lord. It's something along the lines of, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you now. Or some version of that. And at that moment, the moment you transfer your trust, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, comes into you, and you're now a child of God. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that your spirit would continue to move through this place. Lord, I pray that if there's one here that's maybe trying to make that decision, Lord, I pray that that you would guide them and direct them in this moment. Father, that that lives would be changed, souls would be saved. As we go into this moment, this quiet time, Lord of reflection, I pray that your spirit would move in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.